1: morning I want to launch a a new sermon series and I'm titling the sermon series Pathway to Victory. Now I don't really know exactly how many sermons I'm going to have in this series. Uh, My original sermon outline plan that I laid out was eight. Uh, That may be too long uh, so I may try to put a couple of those together and get through it a little bit quicker. But this is something that the Lord's really been fingering around in my heart for several months about for us, especially starting the brand new year here at Victory Church, and it seemed like God really drove it home here recently. How many of you are aware that tomorrow evening the Vikings will be at home? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding, Troy. Sorry, here this morning. I had to say something about that. Uh, I know that's painful. That hurts. But, but how many of you know that tomorrow evening, there is a big football game in college football, and there is a team uh, called the, the Notre Dame. Anybody heard of this team? Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mr. Lauderdale, you ever heard of them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ha- Notre Dame is going to be playing in this football game, okay, for the national championship against a, uh, a huge SEC powerhouse Team called Alabama, and it's going to be a great football game. I know everybody looking forward to seeing that football game tomorrow evening. Uh, maybe about half the hands. How many could really care less about the football game? Okay, you're not going to, you're, you're really not going to appreciate my illustration here whatsoever. Uh, but for those that really enjoy the sport, I, I, everybody knows really with watching the countenance of Tracy over the years you know that Notre Dame has struggled. Really? I mean, they really haven't been the powerhouse that they have been all the years that they've been known for, except for this year. Right, Trace? This year, they have gone completely undefeated season, number one in college football, playing for the championship game tomorrow evening. Several weeks ago, it was at the end of the season, I guess, I was watching ESPN, I was watching SportsCenter or one of the ESPN shows, and there was an interview that one of the commentators had done with Brian Kelly. And Brian Kelly's the head football coach of of Notre Dame and they were interviewing him about his season and they asked him, they said, how did you have such a successful football season, going completely undefeated, and for those that do not follow sports, to do that nowadays in college football, it's pretty difficult to go the entire season, it's quite an accomplishment, it's, it's really a, a phenomenal season that Notre Dame had to be able to accomplish in the undefeated football season in college football today, so I give that to them, I mean, that's a great accomplishment, but they asked him, Brian Kelly, the coach, they said, how did you have such a successful football season? He made this statement, and when he made this statement, it really just, found, I don't know, it seemed like God just really pricked my spirit, pricked my heart, and just fingered around there, and really drove this statement home in, in my spirit. He said this, Brian Kelly said, here was his response to the question on how did you have such a successful football season. He said this, he said, at the beginning of the season, I gathered together my, my coaches, my staff, we all sat down We developed a plan for success, and then we showed up each week, and we worked the plan. He said, that's really all we did. We sat down at the beginning of the season, and we put down on paper what was our plan for success, and then we just went to work each week, working the plan. And boy, whenever he said that, and I heard that, I'm thinking, you know, that's exactly right. That's what we all need in our own personal lives. We need that in our spiritual lives, we need that in our homes and in our families, we we need that in our churches. And so I got to thinking about Victory Church and what is our plan for, I'm going to use this term loosely, success, what is our plan, what is the pathway that we walk here at Victory Church so that we can have a successful 2013 season, if you will, or year, if you will, Here at victory church now with that being said whenever you ask a question to me sometimes it creates more questions and so i ask well how do you even define success i mean how do you define if a church or a ministry is successful do you define success by multiple buildings on church property and millions dollars of buildings on a on a church property would that define success i'm gonna be the first to tell you no You know, I think you can be successful and never even have a church building. Hello? So just the fact that you have multi-million dollar facilities doesn't define success for a church. Well, what about a huge budget? What about a multi-million dollar budget? In our world's eyes, in this consumer mentality world that we live in today, this money-driven world that we live in today... A lot of times they would look at a ministry or a church and say, Boy, they have a multi million dollar budget. That must be a successful ministry. Once again, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that no, I don't necessarily believe that you are a successful ministry simply because you may have a multi million dollar budget, which, by the way, we do not have. But that does not make you a success whether you have that or not. Well, then, what does make a successful ministry? Here's what I believe makes a successful ministry. And whenever I, I, I say this, I, I, I vision in my mind how Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, and oftentimes he looked at them and he said, Boy, on the outside, you're all cleaned up and you're white as a sepulcher, and you know, you're, you, you're just all neat, and you got it all together. And man, on the outside, you, you look really, really good. But on the inside, he said, Your heart is desperately wicked and far from me. Remember when he was speaking that? So Jesus looked further than just the outside appearance and he looked to the heart of man. So I believe if we are going to have something that's going to define whether we are a success in the year 2013 or not, I think we're going to have to look at what I call RTLs. Well, what in the world is an RTL? Before I share with you what an RTL is, let me ask you a question. Do you know what an RBI is? For you sports junkies, right? You know what an RBI is? What is it? Runs batted in. So we use a baseball analogy, and to be a successful baseball team, you must have a lot of runs batted in, right? I mean, you can have the greatest defense in the world... But if you don't score a run, you're never going to win a game, right? I mean, (laughs) Tyler told me, I mean, it was the day after uh, the end of the regular football season, and and he said, Dad, he said, coaches are getting fired left and right across the NFL, and heads are rolling. Why are they rolling? Because they didn't make the playoffs. The same thing is going to happen in baseball. If you keep losing, then you are not going to be defined as success. You must have some RBIs in order to win some games. So whenever I thought about that, I thought, well, how do, you, how do you have RBI's in baseball? Do we all just go out and, and hire the, the Mark McGuire's or the Sammy Sosa's? You can tell my, my era's a little further back than, than what maybe the new ones are today, and, and I, I just don't have time to keep up with it like I used to years ago. And so who, who are the big home run hitters today? Somebody give me one. Come on, Tyler Lauderdale, I know you got one. Who, who's the big home run hit, hitter today in, in baseball? Josh Hamilton, I heard that. You know, you pick a few of these. Do do we just load up our team with these home run hitters and expect to get RBI so we can have a successful season? I don't think so. I think the best way to really... Create a lot of RBIs in baseball is that you have a mixture of guys. You have some power hitters. You have some base stealers. You have some, some base hitters. You, you have some sort of lean into a pitch and get a walk. And I mean, you gotta get on base before you can get an RBI, before you can get it in. And then you kind of, you really have a, a smorgasbord, if you will, of different talent and abilities from people all coming together with the goal of getting folks around the bases, getting them to home so they can win the game. I think the same thing applies to a church. Now, for us, instead of RBI's, I like to call it RTL's. Well, what are RTL's? Now, to me, this is how we really judge whether we're a successful ministry or not. What is an RTL? An RTL is a radically transformed life. Okay? When life change is taking place, then I think you can be labeled a success in the ministry. Or as a church. Why? Because our Lord is far more concerned about the heart than he is the outward appearance of things. Correct? So here at Victory, part of what I look at to see if something is a success or not, I simply ask the question, are we having any RTLs? Are there any lives that are being transformed? Are there any hearts that are being converted to Christianity? Are are there people that are growing closer to the Lord? Are there people that are getting more Bible knowledge? Is their life being transformed and being conformed more to the image of God's Son? Are they closer to Jesus Christ this year in their spiritual walk than they were last year? I mean, what are we doing to create RTLs here at Victory Church? And by the way, I don't know... I don't know if many of you have seen that. I mean, I've been spitting all over this platform this morning. Have you seen that, just spray coming out? Oh, let, me, let me tell you, there's a reason for that. I had to go to a doctor, a throat specialist, and they, my regular doctor saw this big lump on the back of my throat and he thought it may be cancerous. And, and so he sent me to a specialist and I went to a specialist and the specialist looked down my throat and he said, you know what, everything's okay. You have an enlarged saliva gland by your uvula. Don't you wish you had an enlarged saliva gland by your uvula? You may have to say, what is a uvula? That's the hanging down thing. When you look, you open your mouth, and it kind of hangs down. By, I have a, an enlarged saliva gland by my uvula. And I said, well, that must explain, then, why I do all this spitting when I, when I preach on, on, on Sunday He said, well, that may be it. So stay back, okay, or wear a wetsuit if you're on the front row. You may get some spray, all right? Now, I appreciate whoever comes up here, There's, I don't know who does this, but somebody comes up here and cleans this pulpit every week and because when I leave, it is a mess, I promise you. My iPad, I have to take it back to my office and spray it down every single week. It's just a mess from the spray, okay? So I don't, I don't know if you've seen all of that, but anyway, <laughs> full disclosure right here this morning, full disclosure, I want you to understand where we are here in, in the whole scheme of things, But RTLs, we must have RTLs. So if we look at this statement that Brian Kelly, head football coach at Notre Dame, made, he said, at the beginning of the season, we designed a plan for success, then we went to work each week. I thought, man, I need to really lay out this plan and lay it out for everyone that's a part of Victory Church so that you know what the pathway to victory is every single week. Now, here's the thing. I want to lay out a plan, a strategy, if you will, that's very biblical. That's really tied into Acts chapter 2. What I started the service with sharing with you. It's tied into Acts chapter 2. It's tied into the book of Romans. It's tied in a little bit to the book of Exodus. There's going to be scripture reference. That's going to back up this whole plan. For every single one of these steps. But here's my, here's my dream. My dream for Victory Church. Is that every single person. That walks in this door. Will know the pathway. That they need to be walking so that they can live a victorious Christian life, okay? Now, the pathway to victory is a little play on words with being Victory Church, but it also stands for a victorious Christian life. You see, guys, we do not have to live a defeated life as a believer in Jesus Christ, right? I mean, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the power of God Almighty on our side, and me and God alone make a majority in any situation. Hello? I mean, we've got the power to overcome. We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live beaten down. We don't have to live discouraged. We can choose to live that way if we want to, and God will let you live that way if you want to. But he's laid out a plan for all of us. If we would draw closer to him, we can live in victory. Right, and by the way, you remember when the children of Israel went over to the land of Canaan, when they crossed the, the Jordan River and went over into Canaan? Joshua led them over in there. And it's called the, the Promised Land. It's called the uh, the the the, the, la- the Promised Land. Some people, and sometimes I think they get their theology wrong whenever they think about this Promised Land because they go back to the old hymn books, and and we we tend to think that the Promised Land is a type of heaven. Well, the Promised Land really is not a type of heaven. I mean, if it is, then guess who didn't get there? Moses, right? Remember, he's on the other side, right? What is the promised land? The promised land is a type of victorious Christian living. But unfortunately, there are many believers today that are on the other side of Jordan camped out with the two and a half tribes of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh. They're they're camped out on the the other side of Jordan, not living in victory as a child of God. I want us at at Victory Church to be a a group of believers that have crossed over the Jordan that's living over in the promised land, that's living a life of, of victory in Christ Jesus. Now that's where I want you to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I want my family to be. I want us to be living victoriously in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we do that? I think the way we do that is we look at this plan that's laid out for us in Scripture. And I'm going to call it the pathway to victory. And I believe in this pathway, there are at least seven steps. That every single one of us must take if we're going to begin and start living and consistently live a victorious Christian life. Now, if you look around you, you'll see the hint is all around you. As soon as you walk into that, in the door of this auditorium, we read from left to right. If you'll start reading from left to right, look at that wall, and then come over here and start. Actually, it's going to be right to left over here. But then look at reach down. Uh, you're, you're going to see that there are these seven steps. Now, I want, to, I want to share with you, this is what I would want every single person at Victory Church to be walking this pathway to where you become, really, this is my goal. I was sharing this with, with Dave yesterday. He and I were out here. We were scraping the front parking lot out there. And I said, you know what my dream is? My dream is for Jane Doe that, that walks in the front door of Victory Church. And I don't know her from Adam's house cat. Okay? I mean, I don't have a clue who she may be. But my goal for her as being the pastor of this church is for her to walk in these doors, come down this pathway to Victory to where she ultimately is a, is a key leader in this ministry and this church listen I don't want three or four or five or six little leaders and everybody else just doing whatever these five or six say listen that's not healthy that's not going to be successful we've got to grow leaders in this church we've got to have people involved in ministry we've got to have our entire church family walk in this pathway to victory right so that's the goal And that's what I want to try to lay out for you. Now, today is the introduction. I'm just going to lay it out there. I'm going to come back starting next week, and I'm going to start unpacking these a little bit more in depth. I don't really know how far I'm going to get through these. So, uh, you know, in my original outline, I have eight sermons. January and the month of February, we were going to be on this I got to thinking maybe that's too long, maybe some folks may disengage, so I may try to put a, make it a little bit shorter. We'll kind of see where that goes. But let me give you the overview, if I will, the panoramic view of what this pathway looks like, okay? So on the back of your worship folder, your bulletin there, turn it over. There's a place for you to jot down a few notes. I want you to do that, or take your iPad out, whatever it is you take some notes on. I want you to get a hold of these seven steps. Now, these are seven steps that every single person that comes in the doors of victory church my prayer is that you'll walk down this pathway that you'll take each one of these steps and in doing that i believe it's going to draw you closer to the lord jesus christ okay so number one is this step number one is worship now if you look on the banners around the side they're all verbs they are something that we do number one is to honor or worship i want our church to be a church that engages in worship to remain we are just not afraid to engage in worship in acts 2 in verse number 43 the passage of scripture that i've already read to you it says in verse 43 that it says fear came over everyone this is when they had gathered together. The 3,000 have been saved. They're coming together as a, as a New Testament church. And they're, they're, they're worshiping together. They're breaking bread. They're fellowshipping. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then it says that this fear. Now, what type of fear? What type of fear is this? Does it mean that they're afraid of something? No, no, no. That's not what it means. This fear that came over them was this, was this, ah. That's what it really translates in the Greek. It's this, wow, and and they were just amazed at what God was doing in their midst. There's this reverential awe, if you will, that came over the people, and that's what it's talked about, translating the scripture, as this fear that came upon them. I was reading a survey by George Barnum, and he surveyed the American church, and he said this about the adults in churches today. He said that America has a worship problem. And he said that after he shared these results. Barna surveyed the regular church-going adults, and here are a few of his results. Now, he gives pages and pages and pages and pages of results, but I'll put out a few of them to share with you to kind of get you the idea that we may be having a little bit of a worship problem at Victory and in churches as a whole, as far as the adults are concerned. Listen to what he said. He said, one-third of adults said, get this, they have never experienced God's presence at any time during the past year. Now think about that. I hope and pray that you could say that I've experienced God's presence. But a third of the adults that were surveyed by George Barnum said that they had never experienced God's presence in their life over the past 12 months. Guys, that's a problem. Would you agree? That's a problem. Whenever we gather together, and by the way, I've got another sermon that I I, kind of, as I was studying this, I I pinned in my Bible right here in Acts chapter 3, and I wrote a few notes as I was reading this chapter about how we can see God's power manifested in our life. And and number one, we got to get to where He is in verses 1 and 3. Number two, and I think this is important, in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, we must get to where we have this sense of expectancy to where we expect God to move in our life. We come to church and expect to meet with God. But I wonder how many folks come to church and we come here and we have this all right, bless me if you can, let's see what they got today mentality. You know what? If you come to church like that, I promise you, you're not going to get anything out of it. The singing will never be good enough. The band will never be good enough. Tyler will never be good enough. The preaching will never be good enough. You'll always have a problem with everything. You'll always be the first to say, you know what? The issue is horrible. Why is that? It may be that you're the one that has the problem and not necessarily those that are up here trying to do something. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) A third of the adults have never experienced God's presence. Here's another thing that came out of his result. The younger the adult, now get this, talking about the 20-somethings now, all right? The younger the adult, the more likely they are to state that God is a distant, impersonal reality to them. Now, that's a survey that came out of these churches. The younger adults say, you know what, I, I believe there's a God, but he's just distant he's not really engaged in my life he's not involved in my life he is just a distant impersonal reality to me here's something else that came out of the survey even among those who said that God's presence was evident to them most of them say that it only happened one or two times throughout the course of the year for those adults that said yeah I felt God's presence in the past year but I really think I only felt his presence once or twice. You know what, guys? That's a problem. Hello? <clears throat> Listen, we have a, a God in heaven that is very much alive. And he, he's very much caring and, and wants to be involved in your life. The problem is a lot of times, I think the problem is us. I think we in America, really, I, can, I almost say amen to what George Barnett is saying. We have a worship problem. Right? I mean we really don't come expecting to engage with God but I believe here at Victory Church we must excel in genuine worship and I think we must take a no holds barred approach to connecting people with God and when folks walk in this door they should be able to experience hey God is doing something among this group of people I may not know exactly what it is but I can certainly identify that there is an unusual presence that they may not even know what it is but we as God's people are experiencing it there should be this awareness when folks come into God's house hey, God is here right? right? So I think step one has got to be worship. And listen, if you can't worship, if you can't come in here and worship and you've got all these problems in your life, then I think the first step for you to do is simply get on your knees before God and ask God to search your heart. And maybe there needs to be some repentance of sin in your own life and looking around in your own life and then moving forward. And if you've got broken relationships that's keeping you from worshiping God, you need to go and restore those in a spirit of meekness and humbleness and restore those broken relationships because all of that hinders Worship. Are you with me? I'll talk more about that later. i got to move on. I can't stop there. The second step, not only the first step, worship. Step number two, jot this one down if you will, please. Step number two is fellowship. Now, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, these 3,000, get that. You know what that's called? That's called church growth, right? 3,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior. <laughs> Okay, they show up at church. Are we ready for 3,000 people to show up? I'd love it if they did, but I don't know that we're ready for it. Right? Number one, we don't have room to sell them. We'd have to go outside. You know what? Here, here's the deal. I promise you. If we can get 3,000 people on this church property, I'll preach off the top of the building, okay? So you, you get them here and I'll go up there and preach. 3,000 people showed up for this church service and they were engaged in worship. They had this reverential awe that came over them. But the second thing is they had fellowship. Look, if you will, in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Guys, just understand this. The church was never meant to be simply a building or a set of buildings where folks come and they sit and they worship and they learn and they leave. I think if we do that, and there are a lot of large churches where that's kind of all that's taking place. I think if we do that, we're missing a very key point of Christianity. We need to learn, that's the second banner there, we need to learn to connect with other people. Now, obviously, these 3,000 people did not have fellowship with all 3,000 people. I mean, of those 3,000 people that were here at this early church, they probably didn't know the majority of them. And our church is already at the size where you're not going to be able to connect with everybody. You are not going to have fellowship with everyone. Okay. Whenever I talk about fellowship, I'm talking about that intimate relationship that you have with another brother or sister at Christ. There may just be two or three or four or five that you really have this intimate relationship with. Listen, as life progresses, we all know that life gets busy. And you just, you, there's just no way, even if you weren't busy, there is no way you can connect with everybody in the church in this area of fellowship. But we've got to connect with Someone. You see, that's why I think our small groups are so important. Because in our small groups is where that connectivity should be taking place. And by the way, if you're not in a small group, this is a great time of year to get plugged into a small group. That came out on our Connection E-newsletter yesterday, and all the groups are listed there, and so get plugged into a small group, and there's a great way for you to get connected right now in our small groups. But here they were a community of believers that expressed genuine concern one for another. I mean, they were there together. Now, fellowship, I believe fellowship occurs when there's this expression of genuine, Christian, heartfelt love and concern, one for another, and where you're involved intimately in their life. Now, there are two dimensions to fellowship. Let me, let me share this with you. The first area of fellowship is to share something with someone. In other words, some tangible object that you're sharing with someone. That's a form of fellowship. But I think the second form, and we probably all do that one okay. You know, if somebody needs to borrow something, we have we've connected with people enough to, that we can we could share something with them. It may be share a meal, it may be share a chainsaw, it may be, you know, I don't know what ladies, share a lady share a sewing machine. I don't know what ladies do. Uh, share a credit card. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go shopping? No. But we share something with them. We share something with each other. But, but I think true fellowship has got to go deeper than that. True fellowship is going to be when you share in something along with something. In other words, when someone is weeping, you're weeping with them. When someone is rejoicing, you are rejoicing with them. And that's what Scripture says that we're to be doing. We're to be sharing life together. Now understand... You're not going to be able to share life with everybody at Victory Church. It's just not going to happen. And if you have that expectation, I'll just tell you, it's an unrealistic expectation and you're going to be disappointed. Right? You just just can't do it with everyone. But you need to have that place in your life where you are connecting with other Christ followers and I believe that takes place best in our church small groups, okay? So I want to encourage you to get there and cultivate and build these relationships. Now, the only word of caution I would throw up is don't become a closed-off little group. There's a fine line here. And I've seen groups grow so close they close themselves off to anybody else, and I don't think that's biblical. So you got to be careful, right? But we must have that in our groups. We must have that time when we are intimate in sharing in something with someone right when they're weeping we're weeping we're sharing life together when they're rejoicing we're rejoicing we're sharing life together uh, when there's a cross in our in their life they know they can call me I know I can call them we have this connectivity taking place we have this fellowship taking place but at the same time our doors are always open and if anybody knocks we're like yeah come on in and be with us and let's fellowship together that's where we need to be with all of our groups okay that makes sense That's number two. Let let me move on. The third step is discipleship. Not only must we gather together to worship, not only must we connect one with another in fellowship, but in verse number 42, once again it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is discipleship. The Christian church, listen... If RTLs is what it's all about, there's only one thing that will create a radically transformed life. There's only one thing that will create heart change in an individual. And it's not reforming them on the outside. It's not putting them in an environment where everything is perfect. If that's the case, then Adam and Eve would have never fallen. The only thing that can transform a life and create a clean new heart is the Word of God. And our prayer needs to be that that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us more like the Son of God. And that only takes place through discipleship, whenever we're growing in the Word of God together. And we at Victory Church, we must be intentional about developing people. We must be intentional about growing people in the Word, in the Word of God. Listen, here's what I wrote in my notes. If life transformation is the goal of Victory Church, then, get this, theological education must be at the core. Okay? If life transformation is the goal, then theological education must be at the core. Because it's only the Word of God that can change a heart. Right? I mean, we, we've seen agencies and community events and government programs and, and all these other things try to try to reform people from the outside in. It just doesn't work, right? I mean, we try to say, well, they're just in a bad environment. If we take them out of that environment, put them in a good environment, then their life will be so much. No, 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 no. It, it starts in the heart, right? And, we, and the only thing that can change the heart is the Word of God. Barna, you can tell I enjoy reading after George Barnum. Oh, another one of his surveys among Christians, he said this. Get this fewer fewer less than 10% of all born again christians possess a biblical world view that influences their thinking and their behavior let that sink in less than 10% of born again believers possess a biblical world view that influences their thinking and their behavior Right? That's a problem. And you know what we need? We need to grow people in the word of God. Well, how do we do that in victory? I'm going to get into detail about all this as I go throughout this series. But right off the bat, the first place discipleship is going to take place is once again in our small groups. In our small groups, we're gathering, we're rallying together around the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that's going to change your heart and change a life. So in our small groups is where discipleship is really going to begin to start taking place in your life. Another place it takes place is from this pulpit. On Sunday morning, we need to gather not only to worship, not only to fellowship with the Connection Cafe is great to help connect folks, but we need to rally around the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God and learn and pray that the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, would use the Word of God to change our hearts, but also on Wednesday evenings. Now, I know people say, Well, I'm just too busy to go on Wednesday. You know what? You if you're gonna walk the pathway to victory, you need to be here on Wednesday night. Why? Well, because all of our kids are studying in, in the D6 classes and we're teaching the Bible to the kids and the children. The teenagers are in a new believer study right now and we're teaching them the fundamentals of the faith straight from the word of God. And the adults are gathered in here and we are going to uh, an expository type preaching and teaching through the book of Jude. I wonder, do you even know what the book of Jude is about? Uh, do people even care? You know, born again believers should care. And and really, if I'm a child of God, I should know. What is that book about? And on Wednesday nights, we're going systematically, verse by verse, to the book of Jude, and we're just teaching God's word. There's discipleship. People say, well, I don't think they do good discipleship. you got to show up if you're ever going to get it. (laughs) Hello? Number four, get this one. Not only is there worship, not only is there fellowship, not only is there discipleship, But step number four down this pathway to victory is ministry. We must serve. We must find a place to serve. Now, I'm going to jump out of the book of Acts. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 12. Let me read this. Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 down through verse number 8. It says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship Oh, there's so much that can be said about that. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Radically transformed life. You see where some of this terminology is coming from? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? Through reading of the word of God. By renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. And verse 3 transitions now to some of the gifts of the body. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distorted a measure of faith in each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, get this, many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace, that's the Greek word keros, which simply means the gifts that that spiritual gift the grace the gifts that have been given to us we have different gifts and then he's going to list some if prophecy use it according to the standard of one's faith if service in service if teaching in teaching if exhorting in exhortation if giving with generosity in leading with diligence in showing mercy with cheerfulness listen victory church cannot be a place just for spectators to come and sit Because if folks just come and sit and soak, eventually they're going to get what? Sour, right? Victory Church needs to be a place where we, listen, every single person that comes in the doors of this church knows that there's going to be some expectation on them. They can't just come and sit. Now, we want to give you time to grow into this. And we will certainly give grace in that area. But the goal is, and you're gonna hear it preached over and over and over again, is that we grow and we, we grow in the word and we get to the place where we are serving, right? Because if we sit and soak, we're eventually gonna sour. And I love Rick Warren's statement on that. He says this, he said, if everyone is rowing the boat, you don't have time to rock the boat. Man, I love that, right? I go back to my ministry over the 20 plus years that I've been a pastor and, and I think, Man, all the problems that I have, you know, the majority, not all of them, but the majority are from those that are just back taking a leisure ride. I mean, have we got people rowing, and man, they're not rowing, and now they start rocking, and they're just not happy, and that happens. Everybody smile at me. I don't want you to get mad at me this morning. I'm just want to tell you the truth. We got to go down this pathway. And we must find a place to serve. We must use our spiritual gifts. We must get engaged in ministry. Listen, we cannot allow this consumer mentality to come into the church to we just expect everybody to serve us. We've got to find a place to get in and serve. Which brings me to my fifth point. Step number five is evangelism. Now I'm gonna unpack all of these more and share with you our strategy and some of our key leaders in what we're trying to do in these areas. But the fifth one is evangelism. Matthew 28. This is a great commission. I'm going to try to hit these last ones really quickly. Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even until the end of the age." Listen, guys, we must be as a church collectively and individually, we must be, and here's the key word, engaged in reaching the unsaved. We must be engaged. And whatever that looks like in your life, we must be engaged in doing that. It's one thing to preach it. It's one thing to teach it, it's one thing to believe it, but it's something else entirely different to engage in it. And the expectation is that every single one of us, they call Victory Church our home. We're walking this pathway, and we need to be engaged in evangelism, evangelism, reaching those that do not know Christ, if nothing else, inviting them to church. Just bring them to church with you on Sunday morning. I mean, that's the least we can do, but at least you're engaged at that point, okay? So there's gonna be a lot that I'm gonna say about that, and I'll unpack that later. Step number six, walk in this pathway, is stewardship, which the verb there is to manage. And we all know, you've heard me preach stewardship principles from God's word for years here at Victory Church. And it simply boils down to this. Four key words. For those of you that know it, say it with me. God owns it all. I'm just a manager. It all belongs to him. Everything in my life, everything in your life, everything that you possess, everything that's in your care of responsibility, it all belongs to God. Everything in the whole world, it all belongs to God. We are just simply managers and stewards of what God has given us. In Acts chapter 2, back in the text I read earlier, it says they sold their possessions and their property and they distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. They were good stewards of what God had blessed them with. And they helped spread the gospel through that. And so the pathway to victory has got to be where we step up and realize that we're just a steward. We're just a manager. It all belongs to God. It's his. And we're managing it all well. And then number seven is leadership. We get to the point where we lead. Now, understand me when I talk about leadership right here. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about leadership from the pastor or a leadership team. I'm talking about leadership in the pews. Okay? That's where the RTLs are really going to come from is when the, we in the pews, when we in the congregation, when all of us together step up until we get to the place where we're at the seventh milestone, if you will, the seventh step down this pathway, and we're leading. We look around, and, man, we're influencing two or three people, five or six, ten or twenty, fifteen or 30. And we're drawing them, and we're helping lead them down the pathway. I mean, that's when it will get really, really powerful when we have individuals stepping up into that area of leadership. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 23, and I'm not going to read all this to you, but this is the passage where, If you remember Moses, he was sitting before the people and he was judging all their concerns. And if they had a problem, they came to him and he's sitting there. the people, there's a huge line and and hour after hour, day after day, and he's just, you know, trying to settle their disputes and talk to them about what's going on. And they brought it all. And finally Jethro came to Moses one day and said, Moses, listen, you're wearing yourself out and you're wearing the people out. He said, we need to put together a system. We need to identify some key individuals that can lead 100, some key individuals that can lead 50, some key individuals that can lead 10, some key individuals that can lead 5. Let them take care of all the little things. If, if they in their area of leadership are not able to take care of the big things, then we bring the big things up to you. But Moses, you can't do it all. We've got to build some leaders among the people. You're wearing us all out. That's in gist of what that says. The same thing applies here. Listen, I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all. I'll be the first one to tell you, I can't do it all and I don't want to do it all. And if I have to do it all, then there's going to be a whole lot of it left undone simply because it can't be done. I remember my very first church where I went and I was a senior pastor there and I'm thinking, all right, this is it, boom. I don't know why in the world I go back and I listen to some of those cassette tapes <laughs> of those sermons that I preached in my early 20s and I'm thinking, man, how in the world did anybody come to hear that mess? It was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, I listen to it today, and I'm like, oh, I cringe. I'm like, I can't believe you said that and did that and preached a lot of that. And, but here's what I've realized, that, that God is able to create a filter. I mean, I can say something, and you can hear it hopefully in a way that you can receive it. Because if you're listening to it with a critical spirit, you're going to have a whole lot to get mad about. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm amazed at how that church grew and how wore out I became. I mean, I was, I was doing everything. I mean, I was cleaning the parking lot. I was, I was doing the bulletins. I was, I was training the ushers. I was, I was working with the music. I mean, I was, I was leading the youth group. I mean, I did everything. And to the point that I was exhausted and completely burned out. Man, I delegate like crazy today. Why? Because I want this church to be successful and to continue to grow and move forward long after I am gone. You say, you plan on leaving? I don't have any plans to leave, but I'm saying the day's coming when I will be gone. Either I'll die or God will call me out of here. It's not built around one person. This is God's work. And it's my job to be the shepherd now to grow leaders that can keep this ministry going because it's his church, right? So we must be engaged in that. So as I've laid out for you today and I'm gonna ask musicians to come and I'm kind of done and I really don't even know what kind of response we're gonna have right here but I wanna give you an opportunity just to do business with God. I feel that's important. What makes a successful church? I believe when we collectively together are walking down this pathway to victory. Now you're gonna be hearing a lot about this. You're gonna be seeing it everywhere. Hopefully now when you come in and see these banners, they mean something to you. It's the way that we're moving. It's the way that we're going. It's what we're strategically trying to do. But our goal is to move you in from the time you come in and you start experiencing the worship to where you connect with God and connect with each other, to where you grow in God's Word, you serve in the ministry of the church, you're helping to reach the unsaved, church mem- or unsaved family members and co-workers and friends that you have, that you're managing your resources and realizing it all belongs to God, it's all His, I am just a manager, and where you are leading. You've, you're looking around and man there's, there's 10, 15, 20, 30 people, 50 people, 100 people I don't know, man, that you're leading in your area of ministry or your, your area or whatever it is God's calling you to do you're rising up and you're influencing people for the cause of Christ and you look around you and there's many coming down the pathway to victory it reminds me of John chapter 4 you remember when Jesus was sitting at the well with a woman Samaria, of Samaria and he told her everything about her life she ran back into the village after she realized it was jesus and she said come and see a man that that's told me everything this is the messiah this is the christ this is jesus and and all of a sudden you look and and there had to be down that dusty road dust just boiling from their feet as they're running out to see who jesus is and that one lady brought that whole town to jesus who are you influencing for the cause of christ Guys, I want you to live a victorious Christian life. I believe these are seven steps that will lead you down the pathway to victory straight from God's word. And there's probably a whole lot more we could stick in there. But I believe these are seven key areas. And I'm going to drill down in these in the weeks to come to help you see where you are and where you need to go in all of this. But I hope and pray today that today will be the day you decide, you know what? I'm going to start walking that pathway this is a brand new year it's 2013 maybe i got sidetracked in 2012 maybe i got discouraged maybe whatever happened in my life it just was completely out of my control but but right now i'm going to turn everything over to god i'm going to devote my life to him i'm going to re-engage in ministry i'm going to get back on fire for jesus i'm going to draw closer to him I'm gonna worship like I've never worshiped. I'm gonna study and grow in the word of God like I've never studied and grown before. I'm gonna engage in true fellowship, that true koinonia. I'm gonna get involved in people's lives and share life with them. I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna find me a place of ministry at Victory Church and I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna help influence people for Christ. I'm gonna reach my community. I'm gonna reach my family. I'm gonna reach my co-workers. I'm tired of just playing games. I'm gonna get engaged in evangelism And then I'm going to manage what God has blessed me well. And I'm going to manage with an open hand. I'm going to realize that God gives me everything. And God takes away. But still, blessed be the name of the Lord. And God, it's all yours. And I just want to manage it for your glory. And then I want to lead. I want to influence people for Christ. Every single person, under the sound of my voice, has the equal opportunity to do that today. You may say, yeah, but listen, there are no yeah buts. Those are just excuses that Satan throws your way. Yeah, I would, but... No, 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 no. You can. And it starts today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, here's how we're going to do this invitation. You can pray and do business with God right there in your seat. And if that's what you want to do, you are welcome to do that. But at the same time... Maybe you just feel like you need to just get up and come forward and just kneel around this front platform that we call an altar and just get on your knees before God. I give you that opportunity to do that as well. I'm going to ask Brother John if he'll come and stand right here. If you need someone to pray with you, then Brother John's going to be that individual. Just come up to him and share with him your need and he'll pray with you right now. Here's my whole reason in doing this. I believe the greatest decision that's ever made is when we make a decision to follow Christ or to grow closer to Him when we are doing business with Him. And I want to create an atmosphere where you can do that any way you feel is pleasing unto you. You can do it in your seat. You can come forward and kneel down. You can have someone pray with you. Just do business with God today. Father, right now I've shared what you've laid on my heart. This is the pathway to victory straight from your word and help us God to lay out this plan for success which is life transformation to where we are no longer the same old things are passed away, behold all things have become new you've created a clean new heart in us there's a new man, a new woman a new spiritual being God help us now to, to walk this pathway As individuals right now are making decisions on what they need to do, I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to their hearts. Maybe some need to come forward and kneel around this altar. Maybe some need to come to Brother John and simply just ask for prayer and let him pray over them. Maybe some need to just be real serious about what they're doing in their seats right now and just do business with you right now. Father, whatever the need is, I pray that your will would be done, that you would be honored that you would be glorified, that folks would would grow closer to you and have a more intimate relationship with you in this new year. May May this be the year of transformation for many people in this community as a result of decisions that are taking place right here today. Father, we love you. Help us to remain faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.